Oh, hi there. Oli Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using your creativity to improve your life. It's about allowing yourself to keep flowing and growing and to eventually get to a place by using the creative process where you've designed a life for yourself that you actually want to be living. You're not just stuck in the wage cage doing some passive, horrible thing that you don't even care about, uh, where you've accepted yourself uh, unconditionally, ideally, and you've become more whole in yourself because the creative process has allowed you to accept all of the parts of who you are and to do something with them so you can go out into the world and smash the balls off of it. Pardon my French if the word balls offended you. Uh, anyway, this episode of Creative Status is about story. It's an interview with Eleanor Chow from wordsbyeleanor.com. She is a copywriter and she is someone that I reached out to because I kept seeing her work on the, the interwebs and I was really impressed with just everything that she kind of was saying and the way that she comes across, the way that she has such an authentic voice and puts that into the way that her copy online is uh, written and shared with people and all that kind of thing. Uh, this actual conversation can be considered, maybe it's a strong word, but as a kind of masterclass in uh, creating a story for yourself around your brand and the work that you're doing. We look at story structure, um, some of the things that you might need to put in to your story to make it more engaging to uh, the right audience, how you can amplify the things that are real about you so that uh, you're putting out the right signals into the world and showing the right people what you're all about and what you can do. We talk about research, listening to people, not just letting your ego get in the way and having you to uh, design something around assumptions, actually getting into the nitty gritty of life and the people that you're serving and the things that you're doing. So you can create something that's actually of value. Um, how if one person has a problem, probably millions of others do. And so if you can be the solution to a specific problem, then you're going to be able to reach out to an audience that actually cares about something that you're doing. And basically a ton of other things that are all really interesting if you're into this kind of thing. So I'm going to stop talking so we can get into the interview. Uh, but if you uh, like this, then please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And don't forget that it comes out every Monday around 9.30 a.m. If you want to work on any of this stuff, then obviously get in touch with Eleanor at wordsbyeleanor.com. Or if you want some coaching around your creativity, then get in touch with me, book a call on my website. Other than that, here's the interview, and I really hope you find it valuable. I really did. It gave me a lot of stuff to think about. Here we go. Thanks again. Boom. Oh, hi there, Eleanor. Thank you so much for joining me today on Creative Status. I'm actually very excited about this conversation because last time we spoke, uh, without recording it, there was a lot of energy between us. There was all kinds of different things going on that I was looking forward to exploring. Before we get onto all that, would you like to introduce yourself and tell people who you are, what you stand for, what you're all about, and uh, what you're hoping to talk about in this conversation today? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me on. Um, and yeah, so I am, my name's Eleanor and I'm a website copywriter and I run my own copy studio called Words by Eleanor. And essentially what I do is I write websites and tell stories for businesses that, well, I like to say that they're businesses that really give a crap about what they do and what they sell. Mm. Um, and I've been a copywriter for over 10 years, uh, but I spent a lot of that time working in-house for big beauty fashion brands things like that and then a couple of years ago um sort of coming off my maternity leave in the middle of a pandemic I was just I realized it's just so soulless and I was just mm. quite frustrated um being a cog in a big machine um so I I stopped and I just I just went it on my own and now I work with a lot like the businesses are smaller um, but smaller in size, but not smaller in terms of ambition. And mm. their so I just feel like I add a lot more value to those kind of companies and help them find things like their voice, which I think you're excited to talk about today. And we can dig into that a bit if you want. Yeah. So that actually is one of the main things I did get excited about. This idea of finding your unique voice and using it to tell stories that actually allow you to kind of really connect with people and resonate with the real version of whoever they are. Um, it's really interesting that you felt you couldn't do that to the extent you wanted to in the kind of corporate world where you were just a cog in the machine and that actually you had to step back from that way of doing things so you could develop real relationships with your clients. 
do you think just to really like just jump into all this do you think that having better relationships with your clients allows you to find their unique voice a lot easier it's almost a loaded question because I know it's, it's kind of so obvious, but do you, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like how does, how does having those closer relationships allow you to kind of get into figuring out their real voice and how do you actually do that as well? I think, yeah, I think you definitely get a, you get to the meaty stuff really quickly when you work one-on-one with people. Mm. I think in the corporate world, there's always, you know, there'll be like 10 people around a table trying to decide on the branding and the messaging. And there's always a lot of red tape and a lot of conflict. And you might Mm. have like a really clear idea, but it gets overridden by other people that are further Mm. down the chain. Mm. But I think when you're in a a smaller size business or you're working one-on-one with someone, first of all, there's none of that, like none of that. You can just cut straight to the stuff that you want to talk about. Mm. Um, and I always preface everything with, you know, I'm not recording you. This isn't going anywhere. I'm not writing a press release. Um, wow. Let's just talk about your, like what actually got you to where we are right now today and where mm. do you want to go next? Mm. And I think that as soon as I say those words, you can almost feel people relax instantly. Um, wow. And I, I've been on calls before where they start off giving me the elevator pitch and I just <laughs> let them ramble for a little bit. <laughs> And then I just say, okay, that, that was great. Now tell me why you're really doing this. And then they'll start mm. telling me about their family or they'll start telling me, you know, oh, well, I've, I've launched three businesses before, but they failed or, you know, they start yeah, going yeah. into the whole story. And I think that that always helps. So yeah, I definitely think like what I'm doing now, I, I get to see the, the real version of that business owner, like that they put out elsewhere. But actually when I work with them, I get to almost the curtain comes down and you can see who they really are. Wow. Like that's such a powerful thing. Like, and I've found in my own life and in the lives of some of my clients, a lot of people, they think that the way to do business is, is what you just kind of alluded to is creating an elevator pitch, right? In a little Instagram bio or whatever it is. And then you go out and you just parrot these lines all over the place. But normally when people write those elevator pitches or the bios, they're thinking about how they need to come across instead of who they really are. And actually who they truly are and the connection that you can build with other people because of that is the most powerful asset that you have, like in, in your life as a business person. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I I agree. And I think that those elevator pitches, like they're, they're great in certain circumstances, like maybe you're mm. at a networking event and you just want to sum yourself up in a couple of lines. But I feel like it doesn't give you room to grow and it doesn't mm. give you, mm. you kind of get attached to this narrative that you've given yourself, like, this is my business and this is what I stand for. And oftentimes in business, it changes so, Mm. so quickly. Mm. So what you were doing, you know, even six months ago is not what you're doing now, or you want to, you want to pivot, you want to talk to a different audience, but then you've trapped yourself in like, this is, you know, this is my bio. This is what I stand for. So I think that it does, it does help if you strip that all away and you, and you revisit it often. Like, actually, Mm. is this what I stand for? And, and Mm. knowing if it, if it doesn't fit you anymore. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's true. Like every human being, when we've been real with ourselves, it's that thing, isn't it? That we're not like a, a finished uh, book or we're, we're not like um, a complete story or anything like that. We're a work in progress. And like you said, it's always been written. And if you don't know that, then you think you have to put yourself out in the world as been something that is finalized, something that's complete and something that's not going to change. But by doing that, you're taking yourself away from your own nature and so this way that you're talking about is ultimately aligned with with continuous growth and continuous evolution and improvement and all that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. You've got to leave yourself that room. Um, and I think also when when you talk to people about being their true selves or telling their true story, mm. they panic a bit because they think they have to be like brutally honest or they think they have to tell everyone everything. Like they just have to tell you mm. where they studied at university and all the rest of it. Um, but actually it's only telling the parts of your story that there's a reason, like there's a moral to that story mm. in a similar way where you tell a child a fairy tale because you want them to not talk to strangers. So mm. it's like you're telling them a story, but there's a moral under it. So I'm going to mm. tell you this story mm. about my business because I want you to know X. And that's what you need to go into. I think, mm. uh, conversations, whether you're like pitching, you know, for investment or whether you're, you know, you're just, 
showing up on Instagram stories. Like mm. it, you just have to think, well, why am I sharing this? And what is the moral of this story? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's, um, there's something there around not just sharing the good things as well? Because I think one trap I've noticed people fall into is they think they just need to share all their successes. They need to share all their amazing qualities and blah, blah, blah. But actually the thing that makes a good story is the failures or the trials and tribulations that you've had to overcome and the, the conflicts that you've been through and the lessons you learned and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think whatever you feel comfortable with, um, mm-hmm. you, again, like if it goes back to the moral thing, like if you're telling a story of a failure, um, just for the mm. sake of telling the story of a failure like what mm. are you hoping to gain from that mm. um if if you're just trying to show like behind the scenes or an authentic part of your business then fine mm. but try to try to always look at it through the lens of like well, what is the person on the other end getting out of this <laughs> like yeah yeah um, you don't want to just oh i'm a just now now i'm just a sob story of like everything's <laughs> going wrong <laughs> yeah yeah wow yeah, that's actually really interesting because you're right. A, a lot of people seem to think that being real and being raw just means that you kind of just pour your heart out or spill your guts all over the floor and play around with what you find and try and build a connection with people that way. But actually, the only reason people care about your story or anyone's story is because it helps them to understand their own story better. It helps them understand themselves and the journeys that they're on and all that kind of thing. And so what you're talking about with sharing the moral of the story or knowing the moral of the story before you share it is about being real, finding your own voice, sharing stories, but also being strategic. There's a strategy behind it. Oh, yeah. Like, I actually call myself, it sounds a bit strange, but like a story strategist. Like, you know, you have content strategists, but I, for me, it's like, where where do you amplify your story? Because, you know, you don't want to just be like just like you wouldn't meet someone in the street and then just start telling them your life story (laughs) so you kind of have to figure out strategically like where am I going to plant like Mm. where am I going to tell chapter one where am I going to tell chapter two and it's it's different like you you'll tell a different story in an email than you would on your homepage than you would Mm -hmm. on an Instagram caption um so you kind of have to look at where you're planting those seeds and also why and a lot of the time it's we want to connect to our audience and that's how that's through the power of storytelling Mm -hmm. we can connect to our audience but you've also got a thing like you've got to think where am I catching them like Mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm catching them in their inbox I've got a closer relationship to that person because they've trusted me with their email address than I have to the person who's just like you know just followed me on Instagram so you've also got to be strategic like you say about where Mm -hmm. you tell those stories and how you plant them as well wow yeah that's something that I've thought as well actually so it's 100% true like a lot of the time people don't make a distinction between how familiar their audience is with them, basically. So they just assume that everybody is 100% interested in their story and 100% interested in their offer. And then they fall into that trap of, you know, proposing on the first date, basically, when they put (laughs) put their content out there. So how do we um, know what makes a good story for the right audience, would you say? Like, what first, let me simplify that. What makes a good story, in your opinion? Well, it's got to follow a a typical story arc, I think. Like there needs Mm. to be, you know, the classic beginning, middle, end. There needs to be some kind of transformation. Like you started at one point and then you end at a different point. Mm. There's got to be a journey through change through what you're saying. Mm. Um, If you're telling just a story of, I dropped the kids off at school this morning and then just because you want to be relatable, like it's just people are so skeptical nowadays (laughs) that they can just see through things like that. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think that you, you should really map it out. Um, Obviously specifically what I do is looking at how to tell your story on your website. Mm. So with something like your website, it is a container. You can see all the pages, you can see the the journey that someone's going to take. Um, you know, you don't know whether they're coming in on the homepage or whether they're coming in on a sales page, but you can kind of figure out where you can weave the story in. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit easier because it's kind of like in a contained place. Um, so I would just, I would just start at least with a blank page and jot everything down. And I think, think about your business story first. 
um, not all the little stories that make up all your day, but kind of like how you came to be, mm. um, what you're driven by, what your values are. Like this is all part of your your hero journey, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you were a yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where I would start. And I think that really being able to tell a succinct story about your mission mm. and why you do what you do is really important and really compelling for a business owner, yeah. um, whether you're a service provider or whether you're selling products, because I would imagine like you've got this unshakable passion, mm. but in, in able to articulate it, you kind of need to set it up in a in like package it up as a story as mm. as authentic as it can be you don't need to mm. lie but just like as yeah, authentic yeah, yeah. as you can yeah wow like uh, as you were talking i was thinking about the hero's journey so it's funny that you mentioned it and you're right like it is all about sharing that transformation isn't it so like i was at point a now i'm at point b this is how i got there and normally i suppose online especially with a lot of lifestyle brands and stuff now it's about letting people know that story because the p- person reading it is going to put themselves in the shoes of the protagonist and imagine that they're going to go down the same path. Do you think we can use stories like this in a kind of evil way? <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, the right question, but, but you were talking about like how people are more skeptical and cynical. And I think it's that's also true. It's because people are abusing this kind of stuff online a lot of the time so especially a lot of influencers and like certain kinds of coaches and stuff like that they know that if the story presses the right pain points then they can kind of i don't know if manipulate is the right word but they can kind of manipulate people into buying things that aren't necessarily going to serve them i don't know if i'm being too cynical now but no, no. I think like sales psychology is a thing that people, you know, they want to find a hack. Like, how do I tap into someone's emotions? So it is something that's been, you know, used for the powers of of evil as well as the powers <laughs> of good. Um, I think like as a consumer, you've just got to, before you purchase anything, ask yourself like, am I buying this or buying into this person for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a certain amount of safeguarding. Like you can, you should safeguard yourself basically from not falling into that trap. Mm. It's hard. You can't um, police these kind of things. You can't like call a brand out to say, you told a really sad story and now I've bought the product and now, but you should be aware that, you know, storytelling marketing has been around for a really long time and people are pushing those buttons, whether you're aware of them or not. Mm. Um, I think as a business owner, always use it for the good because you want to connect with people and work with people that you want to hang around. And I think if you catch someone mm. with a story and try and pull the wool over their eyes, they're going to they're gonna figure out you're lying to them at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 100%. So- you don't want that experience. So you don't want them to come back and say, like, you know, I bought this course because you, you told me this sob story and it related to me and then I bought it and it was nothing what you'd promised. Like, mm. you're going to get eventually <laughs> yeah that may, it, it, it's good business i suppose to be authentic and to tell the real story because if you if you are evil you use this evil storytelling yeah you might catch a few flies but they're not going to come back after they, they've realized that you were being evil and lying to them how do we um in your how do you think that we can take our story and share it in a way that's interesting if we think we're kind of boring so I think a lot of people feel like, you, you know, they've, they've, there's all this pressure to tell stories and to sh- make connections and so on and so forth. But when they're looking at themselves in their lives, they think, oh, I'm, I'm actually really boring. Like, I've, you know, I'm a housewife or whatever it is that they're saying to themselves. What Are there any techniques we can use to kind of find the, an interesting story? Because I personally believe everybody has one. But yeah. if, we're, if we're living it, we don't always see it. So is there anything? Yeah, we, we, we all have a blind spot when it comes to ourselves. Like we mm. don't, I feel like in general, we don't like seeing all of our successes or articulating our successes. Like you rarely meet someone that's just like, I'm perfect and I'm, I know what I'm doing. And we're all suffering from like this imposter syndrome or, you know, think, oh, I've, I'm, got this business but I don't know how I got it like you just feel like you're winging it all the time but I think if you think that your story is boring you're probably not asking yourself the right questions or you're looking mm. at your story mm. in the wrong way mm. so I think like the first thing 
I do with any client is I just, I almost like play detective Mm. and I try and ask the right questions to draw Mm. out the story. And then I try and restructure it and reframe it and let them look at it with a different mindset. So I think that always helps. If you're trying to do this on your own, I would just, you know, take yourself away. We don't spend a lot of time on our own with our own thoughts, like not nearly enough. Mm. So I think if you're struggling to find like, well, what is my, what is the story I want to tell of how I got into business? Mm. Then sit and ask yourself, okay, when was the turning point? Like when did this business go from Mm. being an idea to actually being a a living, breathing thing? Like when Mm. did I start charging money for what I'm doing, you know, Mm. and then find that turning point. And you'll find there was a, a, a journey there there's always a tipping point of like Mm. oh well I was sick in my nine to five corporate job so I started doing this business on the side um and then I got my first clients through this that the other and you might think that's really boring but actually Mm. like that's your truth Mm. so I think Mm. if you think your story is boring you're probably either not asking the right questions or you're not rebuilding it in a way that is engaging Mm. or or that you can see the success in it Mm. I love what you just said, like about the truth, because I think if people do think that their story is is boring, probably they're neglecting some truth at some level, because I think we're all on these journeys that you've talked about where we're constantly evolving, we're constantly transforming. And the only way that we can do that is by accepting more truth in our lives. And so if you want to tell an interesting story, you basically need to look at that journey in the context of your own life. Do you think there are any... um, well, I know you probably already do think this, actually. What what elements do you think ne- every good story needs to have? So you kind of mentioned the turning point. Other examples might be like, I don't know, conflict or friction or, or whatever it is. What what do you think the building blocks of a good story are? I think, it, well, it depends on where you're telling the story. Mm. So, like, obviously, if you're talking about you know, I want to stand up in front of someone and give them a five minute rundown of, of my life story. <laughs> it will be different to like, I've got three sentences on a landing page to kind of build up some instant connection. Mm. But I think always wow. start at the, at the most interesting point, like start where the action is kicking in, I think is probably a good tip. Like you probably don't need you know the preamble and the context you probably just need to start at like when things start kicking into action um but I think if it helps you write the whole thing out and then you can start seeing the bits where like you know they're capturing attention and also practice and test the story on people you know like you know your friends your family uh, your be- your business bestie like your mentor like read it out to them and be like when did I lose you like at what point did you disengage and at what mm. point did you start leaning in and mm. I think that's the only way you know whether like you're just constantly crafting it and constantly perfecting it um mm. so I think that's the best way is just to test and experiment and see um you know a bit like you know comedians go on stage and they practice their set like 30 50 times before you actually see the final product yeah. so you need to go in and be like okay uh, do i need to add a pause here uh, do i need to add another adjective here to like get them engaged so i think it's always good to um to practice if you're doing it yourself and you're really not sure like oh am i boring them or is this interesting i think definitely asking for opinions from mm. trusted mm. sources will mm. will help you yeah i love it I think a lot of people, when they're writing their stories online or they're making content in general, it's kind of a solitary thing, isn't it? Like they, they just create whatever it is and then they send it out into the void and then they just wait for the response. But actually, like what you talk about as, as a copywriter is that actually a, a big, big, big part of the content creation process or the story creation process is the research and the testing and all those kind of things. And I suppose taking that approach is actually going to allow you to be a lot more engaging in the long term because it's not just assumptions in your head. You're actually figuring out what people do care about and what they're going to respond to because you know your audience better as well. Yeah, you can never assume. I I think like you can have an idea of what your business is, what your branding is, what your marketing messages are, but you can't assume that that is actually what your audience is looking for and whether that even lands with your audience. Mm. So like another really interesting place to look for 
your story and what's connecting are like in your customer and client testimonials. Mm. Like I spend a lot of time either speaking to customers or mining testimonials and mm. you just, mm. sometimes you can see familiar themes, you can see, um, and it can be so different to what you have in your mind of like, oh no, this is what my unique selling point is. And then you read a bunch of testimonials and you're like, actually you're wrong. <laughs> like, cause that's <laughs> not why people are, are booking you. They're actually yeah, booking yeah. you for this. So wow. I think you can never be arrogant or assume too much. You have to always have your ear to the ground and you always have to, um, wow. uh, you know, listen, I think mm. is a big part and, and play detective on your own business. Yeah. I love it. And actually that, that was a lesson I learned in my business. So I, I've got like a coaching practice and like normally before every coaching session, I'll get the clients to fill in a form from one session to the next, just a, it's called a pre-session update. And it talks about the journey they've been on and what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. But looking back at those forms, there's so much information about how I've helped them, but how their story is constantly evolving and changing and what attracted them to my coaching in the first place. And a lot of that stuff has informed, you know, the content that I put out. Because if one person in your audience has a certain problem and feels a certain way, well, they're not the only one other. There's other people out there like that. So you can use all of this stuff to become better at understanding what you're actually doing and how you need to share your messaging overall. Definitely. It helps you create like craft a much bigger picture. Um, mm. because I think if you if you just mm. look at things like data and stats, like a lot of people have goals and metrics in their business where they're looking at, you know, numbers on a screen. Mm. But that never really tells you like the bigger picture. Like I've worked in businesses where they had a killer sales day, but it was because it was raining that day <laughs> and like everyone was bored at home. Mm. And then they're looking at it a year later thinking, Oh, why did everyone shop that day? And it was actually related to the weather. Wow. Like you would never have known looking at the stats, like you can only assume you know, oh, okay, maybe we ran a promotion that day or whatever. So I think mm. like the stats can only tell you so much. Your own thoughts can only tell you so much. You kind of need to bring it all together and and piece it back together again and figure out like the bigger picture. Mm. And it goes back to the theme that you shared earlier of constantly checking in and constantly rewriting and constantly evolving your story strategy as a whole based on what you're learning about people. Yeah, definitely. Right. And and also over time, you might decide you don't want to share the same things you were sharing a few years back. Mm. You know, you might think, actually, I want to, I don't want to tell that story anymore because that's not the direction I'm going in anymore. So you can always backtrack and, and change your mind and keep experimenting. Like mm. I, I like to give options for copy mm. wherever I, you know, like, especially on buttons, like if you have a call to action button, I'm like, okay, well, here's five variations and just test it and see which one people respond to. Yeah, because yeah. I, even though I know maybe statistically this word might perform better, but your audience is your own unique audience. They might prefer a different word. So mm. just test and learn and see what happens. Mm. It's that thing that you said a few minutes ago about assumptions. Like ultimately our assumptions are always just informed by our best understanding, but reality itself is always going to be a little bit different. And so if you test everything and you keep refining things in the way that you're on about, you will get better results over time. Yeah, oh, definitely. I agree with that 100%. Wow. Um, we've talked a lot about the story side of this. Is How do we um, distinguish the story from the voice that we tell the story in? So everyone's got their own unique story, obviously, but how do we find our unique voice or what makes a unique voice? Well, I think, again, everyone thinks that it has to be a really thought out, well, it has, it does have to be a thought out thing, but like, mm. just like you would talk to your mum in a different way than you would talk to your boss, than you would mm. talk to your best friend. Mm. It's still you, you're still Ollie and you're mm. still the same person and you've still got the same voice, but it's almost like the tone is different when you talk to different mm. people. And I think that's how we have to think about when we're crafting our business you know, we want to give it a certain tone and you've got to decide what that will, how you want to dial it up and dial it down. Mm. So I think it, um, it depends. Like if you're a service provider and people are booking you because of you, they want to work with you one-to-one, -one, mm. then you've got to craft that business persona, but it has to be quite true to what you are as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm quite loud and I'm an extrovert and I love to chat and I love to ask questions. If I didn't set those expectations up, and then I work with a client, they might be a bit overwhelmed <laughs> when they get on their first call with me because they might be like, 
why is she asking me so many questions? Yeah. And why is she telling so many bad jokes? Like she, you know, <laughs> I have to set those expectations up. So I have to almost like be truthful to what they're going to get mm. when they work with me. And mm. um, I think it's a bit different if you're, you know, you're selling products, like, you know, say you're selling luxury candles. Like, do you necessarily have to be a quirky, funny personality to sell your candles? Like maybe not. <laughs> like it just, mm. you have to, you have to, I think you have to look at it through whatever lens of business you're in. Wow. I love what you said about the service provider thing It's ultimately the tone that you use in your marketing materials and all these different places, you're setting up expectations, aren't you? Basically. So yeah. Yeah. And if you do it in an unreal way, then obviously people are going to be disappointed or shocked or whatever it is when they hear all the bad jokes that you're making and that kind of thing. How did you figure out though, what elements of your personality you needed to um, feed into people's expectations? Or did, do you know what I mean? Like, how did you know? Yeah, I I think it's a bit of trial and error. And I think like when you first start out in business, you do, well, at least for me, you, you kind of feel everyone else has got it sussed out. Mm. So you think like, I'm a, I'm a serious business owner and I should (laughs) be talking like this. So I will sign all my emails off with kind regards because I'm a very serious business owner. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of find your flow um, as you go along and you think like, you know, I think anything that's not aligned with how you are authentically, you have that inner conflict. It just feels harder. It feels Mm. like, it just you just know it is it will take you three hours to write two sentence social media caption if you're not really being yourself but Mm. if you were on your Mm. own profile and you were just gonna write you know something it would come to you so easily so I think you kind of have to have that element of trial and error but it's also like who you want to work with you always have to look at your audience Mm. so like I'm I'm a millennial woman and maybe I like working with millennial women so I will Mm. talk in that tone of voice if I've decided that I want to go and work with like tech bros in the finance world like I don't think they're going to understand like mean girl jokes do you know what I mean so you have to adjust your tone based on your audience as well um so it's a bit of you and a bit of what you want to attract and I think if you get your tone right you're going to attract the right people but you're also trying to repel the wrong people Mm. so the people that get it will want to work with you and the people Mm. that don't get it they're going to find someone else that that is more aligned to them yeah I love it like that's how I see it when I'm working with people around this stuff like your unique voice or your you know your way of being in the in the world and attracting people on a business uh, point of view it's kind it's always going to be polarizing if it's real the real version mm. of you isn't going to be liked by everybody it's not going to appeal to everybody and that's totally fine and normal and like you said a lot of the time when people first start out they try and you know put on their their best business face for the world and they they start trying to appeal to everybody and they kind of censor themselves and they play it safe but the real version of you is never a a safe thing is it in that sense it's not going to appeal to everybody no no you can't have just like a palatable version of yourself if you're trying to you know if you're running your own business there's a reason why you're running your own business and you're doing it so that you can work on your own terms so that means not having to adhere to a set of rules it means just trying to be yourself and and, and build a business that you want to be in and that you enjoy and you're passionate about so I think that does come wow. down to like mm-hmm. being authentic, like you say, and finding your actual voice and and like managing your business from all points. So from the time you work with someone, but also the time they first reach out to you, it's consistent. You know, it's still mm-hmm. you showing up every time. Mm-hmm. So basically the lesson is don't be fake. I think a lot of people feel pressure to be fake even when they are first working for themselves. It's like, they, one of, like you said, the main motivation for a lot of people to go their own way is to get fed up with the corporate world and all the you know the rules and regulations they're supposed to follow and the corporate mask that they put on but then when they actually take the leap into doing their own thing they've still got a lot of conditioning from that world and it takes them a while to kind of warm up a lot of the time and realize that oh okay i can actually just be my real self which is very liberating and amazing so the question now becomes how do we get into the right mindset for doing that and for being real. So a lot of the time when I'm talking to people on this podcast or in life in general, we talk, end up talking about the mindset that you need to, to be real, basically, to stand in your own truth, 
to share it with the world and to kind of deal with the consequences of that. Um, so what, what do you think about all that stuff? Well, I think to get in the right mindset, you've got to, you've got to understand all the elements and kind of how they're fitting together. Mm. And you've got to really sit with yourself and, and ask yourself those important questions to get in the right mindset. Mm. But it's also, Mm. it's a journey, isn't it? It's not, you're not going to just sit down one day and then wake up and be like, Oh my God, I've got it all sussed out now. (laughs) Like it's definitely, it's definitely like a, a, it's a practice. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you have yeah. to you have to get into the practice of it. And I think that's why, yeah. you know, I work with a lot of people that they can't figure it out. And that's why they work with someone like me, or they might work with a, a business coach like you, yeah, or they yeah, might, yeah. you know, they work with other people because they need someone to hold that mirror up and try and draw it out of them. Because mm. it is in there, like nestled in there, but you need sometimes it takes someone else's perspective to actually figure it out for you. But I think mm. you need to you just need to come at everything with honesty. Like mm. if you're offering a service that you absolutely hate doing, like <laughs> just a- acknowledge that you hate it and stop offering it. Like, <laughs> and then you'll feel 10 times lighter, you know? And I think like you said, you start a business and you, if you've come out of the corporate world, you think, okay, it should be, I should work mm. Monday to Friday and yeah, nine yeah. to five and only take an hour for lunch because that's what you've been conditioned <laughs> to believe. But then actually you realize, you know, after a few months, oh, I can do a yoga class at 11 a.m. Who's going to stop me? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> you know? So I think it takes a while to get like plug into that mindset. But know that if you feel like you've lost your way and that you feel like you're being disingenuine and that you're not being authentic, there's always a way to go back to it. You've just got to, mm. you know, shake it all off and and practice going back back into that place of being yourself. Wow. And that's 100% true because obviously the real self is just always there. It's not going to go anywhere, like you said. I think when we have lost our way or we feel like we have, it's because we're taking on all these kind of like bullshit assumptions that we just talked about that you can't do a yoga class at 11 in the morning and you're supposed to work with people that you don't like and blah, blah, blah. Part of the mindset is the the thing that you said right at the start of uh, your, your response to the answer that you don't have to have it all figured out. Like if you think you've got it all figured out, that's when you fall into the trap of being inauthentic, basically. The real version of everybody doesn't need to be perfectionistic or isn't perfectionistic. They don't have all the answers. They're not omniscient or any of that stuff. And that's one of the big shifts I see people make is just loosening up and saying to themselves, oh, okay, I don't need all the answers. Everything is an experiment. Everything is just a... a, a you know, a way of digging deeper into life, basically, and learning as I go. Yeah, learning and also reflecting. Um, I think, <clears> like, you know, what I tend to do is I work with someone because they're like, oh, I've just, like, neglected my website for three years and now I need to refresh it. But then they'll leave it another three or five years just, like, collecting dust. So it's, like, constantly like pausing like mm. but put it in your calendar like you know whether it's <laughs> quarterly monthly like just having that moment of pause and being like okay I've come so far what have I learned and mm. where am I going next I think mm. will really help keep you on the right track um, and not be pulled off of your track because you know of someone telling you oh do you know what I think you'd be really good at doing this and then you start offering a service mm. that is just so far away from what you want to be so I think just listening learning and reflecting really is it's so like it's so undervalued I think because we're just so we want the instant gratification and like sitting there reflecting on the good things in business and the bad things in business in the last month is it's not as fun as like you know putting something on Instagram and getting 100 likes like it's not the same kind of gratification so but I think we need to get a bit more comfortable or just get more into the practice and the habit of doing that wow do you think um all this stuff that we're saying about you know using story to share the real version of you and build connections and then figuring out your real voice so you can connect with the people that you actually want to work with basically and come across in the way that you really want to does all this stuff have anything to say or to help us learn about imposter syndrome So, you know, it's a big topic. Everyone's talking about imposter syndrome all over the place. But is there, is this story stuff that you're talking about a potential cure, scare quotes, to imposter syndrome? Oh, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, (laughs) to be honest. I mean, I think imposter syndrome 
like as a long-term sufferer <laughs> I think that it will always if you're gonna if you're gonna suffer from that and you're gonna compare yourself to others and you're gonna always feel like mm-hmm. you're not you're not quite good enough you're not quite perfect enough mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether sharing your story is a solution for that mm-hmm. but I think I think there is something very powerful about reframing the narrative mm-hmm. so whether it's a story that you tell outwardly or it's the story that you're telling yourself mm-hmm. if you tell yourself the story of like no, I know what I'm talking about because this is what, what where I've been, this is what mm-hmm. I've done, this is mm-hmm. what I've learned, and this is why I'm a badass bid- business owner. <laughs> if you tell yourself that story enough times, you're going to start believing it. So I think that you can almost trick yourself into mm-hmm. believing your own narrative. If you tell yourself a narrative that, you know, why would anyone ever want to work with you? You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I mean, look at, look at you, like, you know, just constantly pointing fingers you're going to feel more like heightened imposter syndrome, I think. So I think the storytelling less about outwardly what you're saying, but more what you're telling yourself. I think if you reframe your own narrative, mm-hmm. it could help to an extent at feeling like you're not quite good enough. When yeah. You're probably already as good as you need to be to, to be in business. Yeah. 100%. Sorry. I threw you a massive curveball with that question. Cause I was just kind of think, <laughs> thinking aloud about all these different connections between things. And like, ultimately, that's kind of what I was alluding to. So if you've got imposter syndrome, it means that at some level, I think you're telling yourself an unreal story, i.e. a story that is not aligned with the truth about you, the truth about the world and how people are, and then the truth about reality itself and how we don't need to be perfect and we can't compare ourselves to other people and all that kind of stuff. And all this uh, stuff you've shared about digging more deeply into yourself or digging into to life and doing research and all these kind of things you can do that at the level of yourself as well actually like you said and and write a story for yourself that kind of nullifies any of the, the bs that imposter syndrome throws at you yeah and it, it is more for yourself than for for others really like what i do mm. with my clients it's like all of the stuff is there in their head like yeah. all of these thoughts that they've had they're already there but they've just never seen mm. them put mm. down in a logical way on paper that makes sense to where they are right now in business and will make sense to their customer wow. so it's just more it's more about you know learning to connect the dots in a better way yeah. so I think that it would definitely help if you are struggling with your mindset and feeling like you're not quite good enough I think mm. that yeah reframing your narrative can be very powerful and it can help you yeah I think what you're sharing ultimately is internally and externally there's a process of discovery that you can take yourself through and actually if you do it right then internally you'll have a better relationship with yourself because you'll understand who you are and you you know your true values and all the things that come from that and you'll be able to tell yourself a story that is allowing you to keep growing and evolving and to not hold yourself back with these fixed ideas that are causing you to compare yourself to other people and so on and so forth. And then externally, you'll be able to share all that stuff about yourself in a way that is strategic and is going to reach people when they need to hear it or when they'll benefit from hearing it. But also it's going to allow you to really share the real version of yourself so you can set up expectations like you said earlier, between yourself and the world and the people that you're bringing into your world, that's going to allow you to have a better life overall. So all this story stuff is actually really important and valuable for living a creative life, basically, or a real life. Yeah. And it can be really overwhelming to think like, oh, what's my story? And, Mm. you know, how should I be showing up? And how do I describe myself? And I think the, the best way of getting some kind of clarity is to really ask the people that know you better than anyone. Mm. Like if I know it sounds like really strange, but you don't, you don't ever ask for feedback from your friends. You don't really ever ask for feedback from the people that, you know, rely on you for advice, life advice or whatever. So I think if you just say to your friends, Hey, like, how would you describe me? Or Mm. how would you describe my personality? If you ask enough people, you're going to start seeing some recurring themes. So if every single person Mm -hmm. starts telling you like, you're a really good listener, like I love coming to you because you're a really good listener, then you could start telling yourself and put into your story, like I'm really good at listening. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have got that maybe if you were just sat there on your own thinking about what am I really good at? Like I bet mm-hmm. you wouldn't think, oh, I'm a really good listener because 
you unless you've been told it you wouldn't believe it mm. so i think there is a lot of power in yeah okay asking your clients um i mean it might be a bit cringy if you ask your <laughs> clients yourself because they might feel like oh i've got to just tell you how amazing you are mm. um, and not tell you the truth that's why it's it might be quite good to have like a, a third party do that but um wow. but to ask your friends just you know i mean when i was writing my own website i had to i had to do a similar exercise because like as much as I do it for a living, it's so uncomfortable doing it for yourself sometimes. Mm, so I had mm. to, I had to kind of have an out of body experience <laughs> and be like, no, I'm not writing about Eleanor me. I'm writing about Eleanor, my client. And mm. I have to investigate her in a different way. And I have to ask people around her, like, what is she good at? What is she, what does she do different to everyone else? And I think mm. that kind of feedback can be really insightful in trying to rewrite your story and try and shape your business and shape your voice and your personality of your business as well wow and i suppose as well with the imposter syndrome we were talking about the whole thing there that kind of research can probably help you with that as well because i think a lot of the time if people have imposter syndrome and they're just beating themselves up for whatever reason well the feedback that you get from people is probably going to be a lot better than you think or people are going to have seen things that you haven't you know seen in yourself because of the blind spots that you mentioned earlier and so by doing this kind of research, it's always getting us out of our assumptions. That's ultimately the main theme that keeps emerging in this conversation, I guess, that our assumptions about who we are and our story may be holding us back. And if we go out and find out, we'll get a better understanding of who we are and what we have to offer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like it's, it's do not assume, <laughs> do not assume. But <laughs> if there's any takeaway from this conversation is like, just don't assume anything. Mm. Um, and, and like what you said, like, don't assume everyone knows everything there is to know about you because mm. they've been on your Instagram profile. Like wow. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow. always repeat the things that are necessary to know that form your story. Yeah. Don't assume that people have that context. Do you think, um, we can use the bad sides of our personality for, shaping our voice and making us making us more real so this is another curveball but it's something i've thought before like all human beings are you know a combination of good qualities and bad qualities and if we want to build a real connection with other people like in life or online eventually we have to kind of share some of the bad things that doesn't mean that we have to be like completely horrible or be like a you know just evil but do you think like for example, if you have a particularly dark sense of humor or if you're too sarcastic or whatever it is, but sometimes you're just too blunt or whatever it is, do you think you can benefit from sharing that as well in terms of building connections? Well, yeah, I think like if it's fundamentally part of who you are and there's no hiding it, <laughs> then I think lean into it. Like, you know, I've had clients that like I talk to them and they like to, you know, do business over a pint of beer mm -hmm. and they'll swear every other word and it's like when I was crafting their tone of voice I was like well should we swear in this mm -hmm. then because mm -hmm. if they're going to jump on a call with you and you're going to be you know effing and blinding then we don't want people to come through and be totally shocked by that so yeah. why don't we make that part of your tone of voice and part of your personality and we did yeah. so I think like I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't want to call them bad qualities, but I think if they're distinct qualities, like if it's something that makes you who you are, like as a person, you're quite blunt, you're quite abrupt, or as a person, you've got a very dry sense of humour and you're selling, again, I think it, it ties in more if you're a service provider and they're actually buying into you as a person, yeah. then I think then it's absolutely like fine to to be that that transparent and to show that real side of your personality mm. but equally you don't have to like if you're if you're mm. someone who is a coach and you're going to be spending an hour with someone and actually you're going to be listening for most of the hour mm. you might think it's a bit you know you're oversharing a bit by telling them that you're you know really into crocheting or whatever <laughs> it is like do they need to know these bits of your personality like maybe not like only tell what you think is yeah. going to be enough to make the connection and also whatever you feel comfortable talking about like I'm someone that doesn't really like 
sticking my face all over Instagram mm-hmm. and I'm a service provider, but I'm not on Instagram stories every day. I don't tell people like, this is what I have for breakfast and this is what I'm having for lunch. And, you know, at, mm. at this time I'm doing a podcast recording. Like I just don't feel comfortable sharing those things. And I think that people misunderstand sharing stories mm-hmm. or like telling everybody everything. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't think, I don't think you need to tell everyone the good, the bad, the ugly. I think only tell wow. someone enough to get a general gist of, your personality if it's something that you know you think you can connect on then i think you know yeah. share it but if not then i wouldn't <laughs> you wow. don't have to yeah i love it and that's that's ultimately the whole theme actually isn't it that when it comes to sharing your story and showing up online as yourself or wherever it happens to be so not necessarily online but anyway it all boils down to just doing you however you want to do it there are no rules really are there? like as long as it's authentic and you're putting the message out there to the right people, then you can do it however you want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to like building the business that you want and it's on your own terms. So yeah, just doing whatever feels comfortable for you and sharing what feels comfortable for you. Yeah. Wow. Well, Eleanor, thank you uh, so much for sharing all that. Like the time has actually uh, flown by. Um, It has, hasn't it? (laughs) It's gone really quick. But have you you got any... um, I don't know, final thoughts or anything that you just want to share to kind of wrap all this up and to, uh, I don't know, maybe give some final advice about how people can share their story in the right way online. And then can you let people know where they can find you as well if they want to work with you or anything like that? Yeah, sure. So I think final, final thoughts and final advice. If there's people there that are struggling with their story, I do encourage you to just spend some time in your own brain just for a little bit. Like just get it out on paper ask yourself a bunch of questions to draw it out. Mm. Um, and if you're not sure what those questions are, this is a nice segue into the next bit. Um, <laughs> I I have an email list and every week I send an email and I give prompts basically because wow. I say that you can only be a better storyteller if you actually practice storytelling. Mm. You can't just sit there and, you know, just listen to someone talking about how great, like how easy it is to write your own story without actually mm-hmm. trying to do it yourself. So if you do feel like you need a little nudge, just sign up to my email list. You can go on my website. It's wordsbyelena.com and sign up there. And it's just like a weekly um, newsletter that can kind of maybe mm-hmm. give you a, a base to mm-hmm. kind of figure that stuff out from and ask yourself those questions and just keep practicing. Wow. That's such a good idea for an email list. Like that's amazing. I, hopefully some people are going to sign up when they hear this. I'll share a link in the, the show notes and everything like I normally do. Um, Eleanor, I just want to say thank you for coming on and sharing all this stuff. Um, I found it really insightful. I, I love talking about the story thing. It's one of my uh, favorite topics. And I just think you've shared so much amazing stuff here. So thank you so much. And, uh, anytime, anything about word, story, voice, uh, just, yeah, anytime you want to chat about Ollie, just let me know. <laughs> well, you might regret saying that. I might get you on here again one day. Um, oh, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> we can do this again. But yeah, thank you so much, honestly. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. See you.